So here we go. Number six in chapter two of Kiddush HaChodesh. Laws of the calendar. Rambam says, Omru, if the, if the witnesses said, so we're in the middle of the interrogating the witnesses protocol. Renew below kavana. We saw the moon, but we weren't, we didn't have kavana. Kavana means intention, without intentionality. We weren't intending to see the moon and testify about it. Once we paid attention to it and we're concentrating on it, and then we decided we are going to intend to see it in order to testify. It was already too late. We didn't see it anymore. It was gone. So is that kosher? We saw it, but at the time that we saw it, we weren't intending to testify about it. It just was happened to see it. Says that Rambam, Ein Zoy Edus, this is not considered a testimony. Ve'ein Mekachin Aleha, and we do not sanctify the new month, the Rosh Chodesh, the day of Rosh Chodesh, based on such testimony. Why? Shema Avim Nitkashu, Viniru Kalavana, Vikalu Balchulem. Maybe they didn't really see the moon. Maybe this was clouds that got tied to each other, came together, and it looked appeared to them as if the moon was out but in fact it was not the moon and afterwards when they looked up again they didn't see it because the clouds had dispersed an optical illusion amru if they said renew we saw it on day 29 in the morning Bamizrach in the east. Koidim Shetala Amshemesh before the sun came up. Urinu Arvis Bamaidev, and then we saw it again in the evening in the west. Bilel Shloishim that night, which is already the night going into the 30th day. These people are believed. And we do sanctify Rosh Chodesh based on such a sighting. Because they did see it in the right time. Meaning, the night going into the 30th. What about the fact that they saw it 29th in the morning in the east? Says the shaches. This that they said. That they saw it in the morning. We don't pay any attention to this part of their testimony. We are not, literally, means... Uh, we're not responsible. We, we, we're not concerned with what they saw in the morning. That has no bearing on, on Rosh Chodesh. And actually we know that they could not have seen the moon at that time in that place because the moon would not appear there. And what did they in fact see? They thought they saw the moon, but in fact they saw the clouds. So we take half of their testimony and we disregard the rest because it's not relevant. And similarly, let's say they saw it bismano, which is in its time, which the Rambam already told us when he gave us all the rules back in chapter 1, that if you see it on the night going into the 30th, that's called in its time. So they saw it on the 29th going into the 30th, but then they saw that the, the next night, which is the 30th going into the 31st, they did not see it. 
Bilel Iburo, Hare Elunem Onin, they are believed, Shein Anu Achrayin El Rias Lel Shloishim Bavad. Because we are only concerned with the sighting on the night going into the 30th. What happens after, what happens before is not relevant. Lo relevanti. Well, that's Halacha 6. Any questions, comments? Yes. So if you, if you can adjudicate based on scientific considerations, why do you need witnesses then? Why is a, why is a witness essential to kind of... That's an excellent, why, why uh, that's an excellent question. And I would guess, I would guess, we actually, uh, Iran raised this question uh, in an earlier class, and he suggested maybe that their, maybe their calculations will be wrong, will be off. That was his suggestion. But I would suggest something different. I would say that there is an importance of the involvement of the Jewish people in establishing the new month. As we say in the davening, whenever we do a holiday prayer, unlike Shabbat, where we say, blessed are you, God, who sanctifies the Shabbat, because God is the one who sanctifies the Shabbos. We don't do anything about making the, the seventh day the holy day. It's going to be holy regardless of whether what we do. Of course, we have to act in a holy way and so forth. But the Yom Tov, the Yom Tov, uh, which is on the 15th of the month for Sukkot, Pesach, and so forth, that is established by us. That's established by the Jewish people because we decide when Rosh Chodesh is, and that in turn... Uh, causes when the Yom Tov is going to be. And so we see that God wants the Jewish people involved in establishing when the holidays are going to be. And so, yes, there would be a, a involvement of the Jewish people if it was the, the court doing it just based on the science, the astronomy, but there is a much greater involvement when we're relying on the Jewish people. Any Jew, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an astronomer. You just have to be, have seen the moon and come to court and testify. And so that shows the involvement of the Jewish people in the establishment of the holiness of the day. It's very interesting in Pirkei Avot. The Pirkei Avot describes a character who, who mocks the holidays. He mocks the holidays, the festivals. And the Rebbe comments on this. He says, why, why the festivals? Why does why why do mock the festivals of all things? What about Shabbat, for example? Interesting. The Maharal, who was a great great uh, ancestor of the Rebbe, of course, Maharal Rabbi Judo Lowy of Prague, he says that that whole Mishnah is talking about people who who can't believe that that God has any interest in the physical world, in the material world. Like, you know, the philosopher, the the, the uh, philosopher. And so he, he mocks the festivals, according to Maharal, because the festivals are, you know, how do you celebrate it? You're, you're eating, you're feasting. It's like, this is a, this is a festival, a festival. You got to go and meditate and so forth. Hold on one second. Let, let me finish the thought. The Rebbe um, took it a little bit differently. And the Rebbe said that this person of this Mishnah who mocks the holidays is somebody who, who does believe in holiness in the physical but he can't believe that a human being can be the one to make something holy. So Shabbos, he doesn't mock Shabbos. Why? Because Shabbos, God made holy. 
God sanctified the seventh day. Okay, I see. It's a, it's a holy day. But you're telling me that a holiday is holy? Who made the holiday to be on this day? The people. The imperfect people. The frail human beings. They decided that this, based on, on Torah, but they were the ones who established that this is going to be the Yom Tov. So what do we say on, on, on the Yom Tov? We don't say Mekadesh. Mekadesh ha, um, that God is the one who, who sanctifies holidays. We say Mekadesh Yisrael vehazmanim that God sanctifies the Jewish people and they in turn sanctify the holidays. So that would be my answer to you, Brad. Why it's important that we have witnesses who say they have seen the moon. It's the it's a, you know today you would call it crowdsourcing. You're you're, you're involving the people. In, in this very beautiful and holy um, aspect of, of the Torah. Thank you. Thank you. Hillel. That's a brilliant answer. Brilliant answer. Thank you, Jonathan. Hillel, you, I interrupted you. No, no, that's fine. You know, actually, I was thinking of the same, the same line, but I had a little issue with the, that uh, God basically still creates the holiday because... He is in charge of, you know, of the moon, you know, and, and the time that the moon can be seen in the land of Israel, you know, and no matter if the Jews seen it or not, God does it anyway, you know. He commands the moon be in a certain place in a certain time. Right, right. Yes, but of course, everything that we do... It's like a, I can see the preparations, so that was, Jewish people also be involved in that, but it's exactly. still part, part of it, you know, anyway. Exactly, exactly, right. So, I mean, that's what we say in the blessing. We say, blessed are you, God, who sanctified the Jewish people and the festivals. So God okay. is also the one sanctifying the festivals, but th involving, as you said, through the oh, Jewish people. Okay. We're, we're the agents, because if, if, God, uh, if God puts the moon up there and uh, we can't see it, or for whatever reason, there was a big fabrengen and nobody saw the moon, it's not going to be Rosh Chodesh. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you. So once we're on this, we had a um, yeah a question also from Iran. Too bad he's not here tonight. Um, he asked, "Why it seems that the sages, the the court, didn't have a protocol in place to go and tell people go and look and see if you see the moon." Mm -hmm. See, I, I, Iran is an engineer, so if he was doing it, it would be very organized. This is what we need to do. This is how we're going to get it done. And, he, and what it sounds like from, from reading these halachot, it sounds like if they, they would sit and wait, if people will come, they come, and they came from all over. We're going to get into more of that. And I think the reason is along these same lines. If the court was in charge, and they got it, we got this, then that leaves everybody else out. The way that it's set up is that every Jew in Israel is with, within you know, striking distance to be able to get there in time, is, is, is aware of the new month is coming. Let me look out into the sky. Let me see if I see the new moon. If I see it, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to testify. I am possibly going to be the one. Yankul Todris from Kvarsaba is going to come to Jerusalem. And he's not famous. He's not a great scholar. He doesn't have his name anywhere on the wall. <laughs> he is a simple farmer and he shows up and he says, and he saw the moon. And the, the day of Rosh Chodesh is going to be established by his testimony. 
and the holiday of Yom Kippur, the holiest day, when the Kohen Gadol is going to go in to the Holy of Holies, and he's not allowed to go in on any other day. He can only go in on Yom Kippur. Yankul Todris from Kfar Saba, the farmer, is the one who established that that day is Yom Kippur. Not somebody that the court appointed, not the judges, but every single Jew is, is given that opportunity. And so it's, again, look, going, using that terminology of crowdsourcing and involving the people, this, is a, this wouldn't happen if there was a strict protocol of the judges appointing two guys, hey, you go and look for the moon on that mountain, you're going to see it. That wouldn't happen. So that's my suggestion of why it is working this way. Can I ask uh, one other thing? Uh, what, what would they do if there was cloud cover for several days? Nobody could see them. What would they do? So then Rosh Chodesh could either be on the um, 30th day or on the 31st day. So if they didn't see it on the 29th going into the 30th, and the 30th day passes and nobody comes to the court and says, hey, we saw the moon last night, and now we're already going into the 31st day of the month, no month can be 30, 31 days. The maximum is 30 days. So that night is going to be automatically the Rosh Chodesh, the new, the new month, the first day of the new month, of the next month on day 31, will be day one of the new month, regardless of, of whether you saw the moon. So sighting of the moon is only effective to make the 30th day Rosh Chodesh. If that doesn't happen, by default, the 31st day is going to be day one of the next month. Panyatna. Okay. Halacha Zayin. We are moving right along. Now we're getting into the actual protocol of how they received and accepted the testimony. How? Ketzad is a word that comes up a lot. In Rambam, Ketzad means how. How so? Ketzad. How did, they, did the court actually receive the testimony regarding the new month? So here's what it says. Call me Anyone who was fit to testify that saw the moon, he would come to the court. And the court would bring them all into one place. They would make for them big meals. Of course, I'm assuming they had bagels and whitefish. And the reason that they provided these nice meals was to encourage people to come. As we know, everybody has a godly soul and an animal soul. So you would say, what do I need meals to bribe the people to come? Aren't they excited to come and, and make the Rosh Chodesh? You always have to give something for the animal soul also. It works wonders. If you come, you're going to get a nice meal. This way, when, when the godly soul says, let's go and, and testify, and the animal soul says, nah, let's stay home. It's too cold. It's too hot. The animal has some investment as well. He'll come along for the ride. Don't we now have a motive to lie, though? To lie? And get to just for, for a free meal. Yeah, you know, if you're poor, you don't have any food. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can say there's a moon, you get a free meal. I hear, I hear. Good question. <laughs> so it reminds me that it's a famous Hasidic tale that um, 
that they, there was a, a rabbi who was teaching a class and he used to serve some nice uh, drink at the, at the class. And one day he decided, what is this? We're teaching Torah. We're teaching Hasidus. People should come, not for, for some drink. It should be for pure. It should be spiritual. It should be holy. So he stopped serving the drink. And slowly the students dried up. They stopped coming. So our class is a Zoom class. It's a miracle. People come. There's no food. There's no drink. You got to bring your own food. So... He went to his Rebbe. The Rebbe told him, you should serve, keep serving the drink. The main thing is that people should show up. If it requires bribing the animal soul to get them through the door, don't worry about it. Once they come, they're going to learn and they're going to be inspired. So this is what they did at the court. Like, you know, in the first peer of witnesses, Zug is a peer, a set. Of, of witnesses, they are examined first, they're interrogated first, debriefed first, with the questions that we, we explained above. They bring in the one of greater stature of these two witnesses, they bring him into the interrogation room, and they ask him, if what he's saying, matches what they have determined would be correct according to their astronomical um, astronomic calculations in other words they would know where the moon would be in the sky and which which way it would be facing where the horns of the of the moon would be facing if that if the, what this first witness says matches up to what they had predicted would happen they would bring in this guy's buddy if the if the two testimonies line up, a dusan kayemes, their testimony is is valid. It stands up. Now, what are we going to do with all the other people who came for the bagels? Tell them to go home. We're, we're done. Says the Rambam The other peers they bring them in and they ask them. The main, they ask them the main questions, Rashid Varim, the heads of the words, meaning the, 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 um, the main questions, without getting into too much detail. It's not that they need any more, testo- to, any more testimony, any more witnesses. Two witnesses is good enough. We don't want them to leave disappointed disheartened that they came all this way and it was a waste because somebody else already stole their thunder. Why? Because this is an investment in the future that they should come next time and not say, ah, why should we come? Somebody else is probably going to get there before us. Yes, yeah. Can I ask you something? Did they establish, you know, that uh, his Rosh uh, Hadash uh, and all that, so next day going to be big you know, karbanot in the, in the temple, so they maybe can partake some meal from that too. Ah, people. stick around. I think that would go to the Kohanim. Yeah. They would go to the Kohanim. The, the meals... The Kohanim, yeah. nothing, nothing for the, you know, the sacrifices were only were eaten unless you brought your own sacrifice, then you would get some of that. 
But of the but public... Not, not, they're not going to get anything. They're not arresting them. Unless all the witnesses are calling him, all of a sudden you got a bunch of calling him showing up. <laughs> <laughs> For the freedom of the And the next day too. Actually, actually would not work that way because um, the Kohanim have their set, you know, families that they get this week and this one gets that week. So you couldn't, a coin couldn't just show up necessarily and, and get involved. I see we have footnotes over here. So we're going to look over here. See if we have anything. Um... Okay, he quotes from Rosh Hashanah 23b. This is tractate of the Talmud called Rosh Hashanah, and that's where all of these laws are coming from. Rambam doesn't make anything up. If he does, he says he says it. He says it appears to me. But if he's just saying something, it's straight out of the Talmud, either the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, or the Tosefta. And what does he says? He says the Safri He says that there was a large courtyard in Jerusalem called the House of Yaazak, where the witnesses would gather. Okay. Eight. Afterwards, once the the testimony is established and is substantiated, the head of the court says, Mikudash. It has been sanctified. The day has been sanctified. Rosh Chodesh has been sanctified. And everybody answers, responding, Mikudash, holy, it is holy, it has been sanctified. We require three judges in order to establish and sanctify Rosh Chodesh. The calculations regarding the moon's position must be made by three judges. They would only sanctify it if it was seen in its time, meaning on the tw- day 29 at the night, going into the 30th. In other words, if we already passed day 30, and day 31 is going to be Rosh Chodesh, there's no ceremony for the court to say, Mikudash, day 31 is sanctified. No, that happens by default. This had to be sanctified by day. So what, what happens if they, the, the, the witnesses come very late on day 30? And by the time they finish interrogating them, it's already night. And they say, holy, today is holy. Too late. If they sanctified at night, it is not sanctified. So this is also the night before. So if they saw it uh, on the night going into the 30th, and they said, holy, this is going to be Rosh Chodesh? No good. You have to wait till the next day, till day 30, and then they can sanctify it. Even if all, the, the, all of the court and all the Jewish people, everybody saw the moon, but the court did not actually go and say, Mikudash, until it was already uh, the night time going into day 31. Or if the witnesses were interrogated and the Bet Din did not have a chance to say sanctified until the night, and it was already night 
going into the 31st day. Ein mekachin oisoi, we do not sanctify day 30 as Rosh Chodesh. Biachodesh mu'ubar, and by default, it becomes a full month, a 30 day month. Will be on day 31. Even though we all know, everybody saw it. Doesn't matter. We need the ceremony of the Beit Din actually going and stating that it is Rosh Chodesh. Here's the Rambam lays out the rule. It's not the sighting of the moon that establishes the new month. But rather, it's the court that says it is holy. That is what establishes the new month. And I'm reminded of a, a comment on the on the midrash on the verse in Tehillim, "Lakel goymet alai." That the midrash talks about how they the you know with the famous debate, the famous rivalry between the angels and the soul, human souls, where the angels say, "Don't God to God, don't not to create the world, not to create the human being, not to give the Torah to the human being, not to get not to." not to establish God's home in the temple built by humans in the physical space. And one of the conversations that happens between the angels and God is the angels ask God, when is Rosh Chodesh or when is Rosh Hashanah? And God says, why are you asking me? You have to go and ask the terrestrial court. So this is, uh, we're seeing this playing out in all of these halachot, how it's the importance of the human involvement in the sanctification process. Well, that concludes our halachas of Rambam for today. Anybody have a question or comment, please feel free to share. Rabbi, during that Bet Mikdash, I think uh, there were identified uh, people for uh, observing the moon and being as a witnesses. Uh, dedicated witnesses, so uh, they r- don't run into all these uh, questions or, uh, um, you know, questionable days, isn't it? That was the the protocol. The yeah. Um, I don't know. I we're gonna we've. I don't remember that being the case. It could be. We're gonna go through all of the laws of the Rambam, and we'll see if it if that's the case. But so far, we didn't see that. Yeah, you would think that that's how they would do it. Anybody else comment or question? Or, we, or else we'll go to our uh, Hasidic aphorism part of the program. All right, there we go. So we've been doing Hasidic aphorisms and we're on the subject of love your fellow as yourself. And here's what we have. Last time we did the the um, the acronym Aleph Beis Gimel Dalad Ahava Brocha Gaiva Dalus. We also had the amazing amazing teaching of the Rebbe Rashab to his son. Friedrich Rebbe, Rebbe Rayatz, when the Rebbe Rayatz came back to his father and said that he did a favor for another person, and that he did the favor with Behidr, he did it, he did it, uh, you know, really well. And his father told him, "You didn't do the, fa- you're making a mistake. The favor that you did is for yourself, not for the other person. When you do somebody else a favor, 
the biggest favor that's being done is really for yourself. The biggest gain, the biggest benefit is really for the person who did the favor, not the person who received the favor. This is something that the Rebbe, here's a quote from the Friedrich Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, that the Rebbe used to quote a lot, and he said like this, the Friedrich Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak said, when two Jews meet, in addition that the good, the benefit that accrues to, the, to both of them that met, there should be in their meeting something that causes a benefit for a third Jew. And this was the, the, I think the Rebbe may have said this in, in connection with, or certainly it was borne out in the Rebbe's custom of giving out dollars. The Rebbe used to stand from the, from the when the Rebbe turned in the middle, middle of his 80s, the Rebbe started a custom every Sunday to stand for about four or five hours and give out a dollar to anybody who came by. There were lines and lines around the block to receive a dollar and a blessing from the Rebbe. would say to each person, blessing and success. And some people would ask a question. There could be short conversations from 10 seconds to, you know, a few minutes. Um, it was really incredible sight to see. And this video actually of of, uh, of these encounters, but um, the Rebbe would give a dollar, and the, the the idea was when two Jews meet, there should be a benefit to a third Jew. So I'm giving you this dollar. The Rebbe is saying I'm giving you this dollar to go and give charity, to give tzedakah to somebody else. So we're meeting. Two people are meeting. Let our meeting bring a benefit to a third person. One more. The, this one comes from one of the tzaddikim hanistadim, from the one of the hidden tzaddikim, the hidden saints, people who are, you know, they have the people who are like the Rebbe, everybody knows about them and they're famous, everyone knows that they're righteous, but then there are people who are undercover. They're called the tzaddik nistar. Nistar means hidden. And there's a tradition that there are 36 hidden righteous people in every generation. So one of the hidden tzaddikim revealed, he made a comment about the blessing that the Kohanim say before they do the blessing of the Kohanim, the priestly blessing. May God bless you and watch over you and so forth. So what is the blessing? The blessing is, uh, before they do, do, do the blessing, they say, Blessed you, Lord our God, who commanded us, sanctified with his commandments, and commanded who sanctified us with the sanctity of Aharon, the high priest, and commanded us to bless the Jewish people with love. So one of the hidden tzaddikim said, they gave a spin on this blessing. What is the blessing? Again, blessed are you, Lord our God, who, command, who, who sanctified us with the sanctity of Aharon, the high priest, and commanded us to bless the Jewish people with love. So what does that mean? That means simply to bless them and to do so with love. But he interpreted, no, what's the blessing? The blessing is the love. That he's blessing the Jewish people to be filled with love and affection for one another. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another wonderful class. We've covered a lot of ground in Rambam. We got a Hasidic thought in. Thank you so much for joining. Any questions or comments? Or we can sign off. All right. Have a good Shabbos. And we'll see you, God willing, Sunday evening. Same place. Same station. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos.